It only happens every four years, and when it comes, it brings with it sweeping changes. Some you'll like, some you'll hate. <laughs> I'm just talking about the midterm elections. I've got some explaining to do. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 30 of Ayana Explains It All. This week we're going to deep dive into the midterm elections, but before we get to that, I'd like to remind you that Ayana Explains It All is available on 12 streaming platforms, including YouTube. My flagship is Anchor FM, and I'm on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Amazon Music, so like rate, subscribe, and share with your friends and family. You can also reach me at all at gmail.com. And you can find me on TikTok and Instagram on all of the social medias, as well as my personal Instagram and Twitter. It's lawgirl, L-A-W-G-U-R-R-L. <sighs> Enough with the housekeeping. Let's get into it. Let's talk about the midterm elections. I vote in every election that I'm entitled to vote in, even the puny ones that are just about changing a school board member after one retires. And why? Because every piece of legislation, every member of every board or house or seat of government at every level matters to me and my family and my community's well-being and safety and security. Unfortunately, I am in thin company Midterm elections are the least attended elections. The primaries in the midterms, as I said before, are so low. The primary midterm election numbers are so low that it's hard to believe, it's hard to predict who is going to show up for the general election. Some people skip the primaries and only vote in the general election, but they miss a crucial step, as I outlined before. You want to be able to choose your candidate and then to choose your winner. But lots of factors affect turnout, voter turnout, including the lack of momentum and attention given to these races because there is not a presidential election attached to them. People are really excited about presidential races. They're very excited to see who the next leader of our country is going to be. They're less so excited about who is going to sit on the bench in their city or who's going to be their district attorney or who's going to represent their district at the state level. You will find your phone ringing frequently during the weeks leading up to an election and your email address is inundated with solicitations for donations. Still, the occasional voter who only feels enthusiastic about the presidential races will not vote in the midterm elections. You heard me. The occasional voter will not vote in the midterm elections. People feel disconnected from their government. 
at the midterm elections. They don't see the point. And politicians are not very good at drawing a roadmap from the citizen voter to their seat, to their seat on the bench, to their seat in the House, to their seat in the presidency. Sometimes they're not very good at, at showing the people just how their job affects their daily life. For instance, a judge in family court might decide your custody hearing or your child support case. The same way a state legislator may introduce new child support changes to the state system. And the governor, obviously, would be the one who signed that bill into law. And unfortunately, candidates are very good at drumming up mudslinging and saying what they will do, but they're not good at showing you how what they will do affects your daily life. And that is what people want to see. That's what they need to see. But what are midterm elections? Before I get into all of that drama, what are midterm elections? It seems simple to say, but for the sake of the title of my podcast, Ayana explains it all. Midterm elections are the elections held at the halfway mark of a U.S. president's term. So after they have served two years, then you get these midterm elections that are for congressional seats, Senate seats, like I said, governor races. There are secretary of state races in many states. There are judicial races. This year, 2022, this November, in the general election, all of the congressional seats are up for grabs. All of them. All 435 seats. And that is because House reps serve two-year terms. And some reps retire, some have passed away. And so there have been special elections, like in Ohio with Chantel Brown. There was a special election after Marsha Fudge was appointed to be Biden's Health and Human Services Secretary. Chantel Brown ran in, gosh, I want to say it's been two or three (laughs) special elections. And now she's running in the the general election. So you'll see that. House reps, like I said, serve two-year terms, and this time around, one-third of the Senate is being challenged. There is one-third of the Senate seats up for grabs. Senators serve six-year terms, and this year there are 35 seats being challenged across 34 states, including in my fair state of Ohio, where there is a highly contentious and very well publicized race with Tim Ryan and JD Vance. I won't get into who I like more or who I who I support, but there's a thing that happens in some of these elections and that is lately at least there are candidates who are being propped up by a certain person in a certain party. And they are not necessarily the best person for the job because, number one, they don't really know the people that they want to serve. They do not connect to the region they're running in. And they're, they're a shill, essentially. 
they're just being paid for to run so that a certain party can be in power. They have no real interest in serving um, Ohioans, for instance. And J.D. Vance has no real interest in serving Ohioans. He's just a prop for the uh, Trump machine. Trump can't even remember his name, to be quite honest. And at the last um, televised debate between Tim Ryan and J.D. Vance, Tim Ryan decimated J.D. Vance. You can tell when someone is about their business, when someone is really well-versed and they're experienced and they have a clear agenda that is going to help people. And then those people who are there because it would look good on their resume. So that's going to be an interesting race. But again, very few people showed up for the primaries. So if you're upset that J.D. Vance is running or that Tim Ryan is running, you have only yourselves to blame. But also, like I said before, candidates are not very good at getting voters to the polls. They're very good at uh, running commercials, running ads, and telling you what they'll do, what they won't do, and who they'll be, and what they won't be, but they're not good at getting people to the polls. It's as important that people understand the critical role of the voter in the election as the election itself. The voter is most important. And unfortunately, we have one party that pushes... um, narrowing opportunities for voting versus the other party that pushes for expanding opportunities for voting so that more citizens can get to the polls. And I won't say who they are, but you should be able to figure it out. Currently, the Dems, as we know, have control of the bicameral House, but that could change with this election, which is why it is important, very crucial for both parties. And you've probably seen more press about this midterm than in recent midterms. The Dems hold a slight lead in the House, currently 220 to 212 seats, and a barely there majority in the Senate of 50 to 49 seats. There are also key governor, state legislator, and secretary of state elections. And why is this important? Why are secretary of state elections important? Because the secretary of state certifies the elections in the state. They certify the elections. They set the election rules. They set the voter rules. That's where it starts at. So, You could probably guess what party is trying to get control of the secretary of state positions. And I've seen some uh, candidates who are, listen, please be good at distinguishing crazy from not crazy. Because there are a lot of really off their rocker people running for office. And it's clear they're doing it just so a certain party can be in power so that they can gain control. A lot of people are concerned with being in control rather than advancing what's best for the entire country. They'd rather just have the power. They'd rather have the power than the purpose. They don't care about the purpose. They just want the power. And so in your state, you might wonder why, why is this person running? They sound like they probably only have um, 
fifth grade education. Or they're saying things that are off color, that are weird, that are wacky. They seem to not have any experience in government. Myself, honestly, I'm not voting for anyone who has no experience in government. I'm not doing it. Government work is difficult. It's very hard. It's, it's, it's grueling. It's, it's, it's exhausting. You should know how to navigate at least the level of government that you're thinking of getting into. And there are some people running for positions and they have no experience. They don't even have so much as a history of being in their, their children's school PTO. They know nothing. They haven't been on a library board. They haven't been on the board of a hospital. Nothing. Those are not the people that I would vote for. Of course, you're free to vote for whomever you want. But look at your candidates and their experience. Don't just look at, oh, well, they, they uh, said that they were going to bring jobs to our region. Anybody can say that. I can say that. Does that mean I'm going to do it? No. <laughs> do I have a proven track record? No. Anybody can say that. In fact, that is one of the most popular lines that candidates use is I'm going to bring jobs to the region. You know what? Fine. We always need jobs. We have needed jobs since the beginning of this fucking country. We are never not going to need jobs. And and the career landscapes are ever evolving. The need for technology jobs, the need for infrastructure jobs now. And, and President Biden with the bipartisan infrastructure law has opened the, the gates for all of these jobs and infrastructure. We're always going to have jobs and need jobs. Fine, great, wonderful. But how do you bring jobs to a region? You can't just like, there's not like a, a box of jobs at Walmart. You could just go pick up and open them up and then people are going to be like, oh my God, I have a job now. No. You have to create opportunities for people. And it's more than just saying what you're going to do. You have to create opportunities for employment for people. You have to make sure the people, this is what they want to do. Are these areas that people have experience in that they, that they want to get into? Is, is, is the world moving in this direction? The world is expanding. Careers are expanding. Technology is so important. Engineering is important. Space is important. You know, even law. Law is important. Law is changing. Medicine is changing. Science is changing. It's important. You have to create opportunities for employment. Not only that, you have to create opportunities for education for people living in the regions that you serve. You can't just bring jobs to a region and people have no fucking idea what to do with the job because they have no education. Their educational background is slim. And it's not always about, yeah, higher education. Make higher education affordable so more people will want to go to college so that more people graduate from two-year and four-year universities and get their master's degrees and have knowledge, have a knowledge of uh, a working knowledge of the field that they're going into. You're not throwing a coal miner into a social work job. It's more than just creating jobs. You have to create 
opportunities for employment. You have to bring the economics to the region so that people and the education so that people feel empowered when they go to apply for a job or when they look at themselves in a position, when they imagine themselves in an occupation, you have to empower them to make them feel that way. It's not enough. It's not enough what these people are doing. And we, we see some of that with, pres- with President Biden in this bi- in bipartisan infrastructure bill. Uh, uh, we've seen it with the expanded employment since the COVID pandemic. But still, people are not feeling empowered to work lately. I know, I know. People say this all the time. Nobody wants to work. Well, yeah, people do want to work, but they want to be treated decently. People want to be treated decent. People want good benefits. They want good health insurance. They want good retirement. They want maybe stock options. They want um, dental insurance, for God's sakes vision insurance. People want, um, they need transportation. Sometimes people can't get to the jobs that you're bringing to their region. So it's more than just, it's more than just jobs. But that's the line that candidates are always touting. Oh, we're going to bring work. Okay. Somebody says they're going to bring work. I'm just like, oh, okay. Never mind that, you know, half of your state is underwater. Never mind that some of your state doesn't even have clean drinking water. What are you going to do about that? I spoke about this on the last episode about the environmental crisis facing the United States, the the access to clean drinking water. How many candidates do you hear talk about the environment? How many candidates do you hear talking about the climate crisis? There's one particular party that, that likes to pretend that climate change is not real that it's not happening to us, that everything we're seeing is just a figment of our imagination. And where have we heard that before, Wizard of Oz? Don't look at the man behind the curtain. <laughs> when we're seeing for our own eyes the changes that are happening, and there's no one speaking to how we feel about these changes, we're scared. We're fed up. We're scared. We don't know when the next national disaster is going to happen, the next pandemic a terror attack, God forbid, we're having all of these mass shootings still, this is still a problem. And who is talking about helping us? I want to hear more about these large-scale disasters and what candidates are going to work to help prevent them. That's what I want to hear. And I got to tell you, I'm not hearing it. I'm still hearing a lot of that small scale shit. I want to focus on what's really going on in this country. There are a lot of changes happening. Very scary stuff that's happening. You could go to bed one day and wake up and there's brown shit coming out of your, your faucet. You could go to bed one day and find yourself homeless because a wildfire swept through your area or there was an earthquake, or there was a hurricane, or there was a tornado. I want to hear more about the, uh, the engineering that we're going to use to protect homes and businesses. I want to hear more about how we're going to help people wrangle student loan debt and how we're going to make college affordable. 
make tuition prices affordable. I want to hear more about how we're going to make goods affordable so that when we go into the grocery stores, we're not paying $7 for a loaf of bread. I want to hear people talk about corporate greed. I want to hear people talk about how we're going to work to get the oil companies to lower their prices so we're not paying 4 to $7 a gallon for gasoline. COVID should have shown, should have shown everyone that there are larger things at play than what our brains have been programmed to think about. We think so small scale. And this is why voting scares us. Because we really only think about what's in our home. We can't imagine anything beyond that. And we're really only focused on ourselves when we should be thinking about our communities, our safety in our communities, our utilities. In Ohio, we had a fucking utility company that was robbing the customers blind. Millions, hundreds of millions of dollars that were working with officials in the state government, taking bribes to push favorable legislation for them. This is still happening. Consumers are being robbed blind. And who is doing anything about it? Think of the hundreds, the thousands of dollars you lose every year because you're overpaying for things. You're overpaying for clothes. You're overpaying for food. You're overpaying for gasoline. You're paying too much in taxes. Remember when that tax uh, plan went through under Trump in 2017? How much did that cost you in 2018 and 2019 and 2020 and 2020? And it's still going to cost you. Aren't you mad about that? Aren't you upset? You should be. You should absolutely be mad. And being mad and being upset is what gets people to realize that something has to change to make their situation better, to make their community's situation better, to give you that better outlook so that when you wake up, you're not waking up to a fucking disaster. That should make you want to go to the polls and vote in the primary, in the general election, in every election that you were eligible to vote in. And I get fired up about this. I really do. I get very fired up about voting. I was so happy when I worked at the polls in 2020. I was so happy to see so many people come through the lines. Get the young people excited about voting. Those are the people who are not excited. Young people are very disenchanted, very disenchanted. They haven't been fired up about anybody in a long time. And it's because they see, like I see, I mean, I'm in my, my mid-40s, but they see, like I see, old white people running the country, running for office. They see the same fucking faces. Every time they go uh, to the polls, they see the same names on the ballot. I would feel disillusioned, too. I would feel disenchanted. I wouldn't want to be bothered if every time I went, I saw fucking Mitch McConnell's name every fucking six years on there. I would be pissed. I wouldn't want to be bothered either. 
Every time you go with some gray-haired old-ass white man who wants to uh, get rid of the Democrat or who wants to uh, uh, bring steel jobs and bring coal jobs back, fuck you. I'm 17, 18 years old. I don't want to work in a fucking factory. I don't want to go bust rocks. They're not doing anything to get young people excited about voting or about the issues that young people care about. Young people are very concerned about the environment, very concerned. They're more concerned about that than what um, the candidates reflect, frankly, as far as I'm concerned. They're also concerned about not just jobs, but careers. They're concerned about tuition costs. And who among you candidates is working to allay the, their fears? I'm not seeing it. And, you know, during a presidential race year, there would be election signs lined up and down every street where I live at. I live in a very liberal town, a liberal county. There would be political signs up and I haven't. We are choosing a governor this year I've seen maybe two signs for Mike DeWine's opponent I certainly haven't seen any DeWine signs I know there are people who love that motherfucker I haven't seen any we're choosing judges we're choosing a, a house of representatives we're choosing congressmen we're choosing senators I don't see the signs People are not excited. People are not interested. People are worn out. And I have to believe that some of that is the endless coverage of once we get this person into office, we immediately start talking about what we're going to do to um, unseat them once their term is up. And so we're tossing candidates' names around. And it's just never, people never really get to get used to or get to see what the what the one person is going to do because we're thrusted back into the race again immediately after Biden won Republicans Republican pundits political pundits start talking about well is he going to run again in 2024 and who's going to be his appoint his opponent and what are the my god let people get some rest i don't want to talk about politics all the time i hate it I don't want to talk about it all the time. I like to talk about issues. And I believe that there are issues that transcend political parties, that transcend politics, but somehow get narrowed into, well, if you believe this, then you're in this party. And if you believe this, then you're in this party. Please. Midterms are a unique creature because they tend to reflect how people feel about the job the president is doing with our country. So even though the president is not on the ballot, he's on the ballot, theoretically. Uh, during Obama's second term, during the midterms, woo, people were not happy with Obama during his second term. <laughs> He didn't close Guantanamo. Uh, there were all these airstrikes happening in the Middle East. The troops were still in Afghanistan. 
I don't even know what the hell else was going on. I mean, I, as far as I could see, things were fine. But politically, the climate was was turning dirty, was turning nasty, and it was turning against him. So candidates didn't want him stumping for them. Now, this was during his second term, during the midterms. Candidates didn't want him stumping for them because um, there was a negative perception of the Obama administration by the time those midterms came around and being associated with Obama would likely mean that you weren't going to win your race. And in fact, (laughs) Republicans ended up taking over the House and the Senate. So the midterms tend to show how people feel about how well the president is doing his or her job. And I mean, President Obama was doing fine. But the tide had turned against him. And so people were looking at Republicans. Whereas just two years before, they were looking at the Democrats. And people switch parties all the time. They switch who they're voting for all the time. You don't have to stay. And whoever you voted for two years ago doesn't have to be who you vote for now. You can switch parties as much as you want. At least in Ohio, you can do it. I don't know about other states. I, I, I think it's kind of the same way. You can switch party affiliations anytime you want, or you can be independent. In some states, you cannot be independent. But more people now are calling themselves independent voters than ever before. There are more people who identify as independent than there are people who identify as Republican or Democrat. People are fucking sick of parties. They're sick of the two-party system. Hell, they don't even want a three-party system. They just want to be able to vote for whomever they like without having to choose. In Ohio, you have to choose a Dem ballot or a Republican ballot. People are sick of that. Remember back in the day when the Tea Party uh, arose? The Libertarians are still around. There's the Green Party. Now there are progressives, but progressive party isn't a party. It's just very far-leaning Democrats. And then there are, of course, the, um, I don't want to use a slur, but the MAGAs. They're very far-leaning, right-wing conservatives. But there are more people identifying as just being, hey, man, I'm voting for who I like, not who you tell me to vote for because I'm Republican or a Democrat. So, yeah, candidates tend to run against the president if the record is bad. Biden is a toss up really this time around because he's done a lot. He's accomplished a lot. But a lot of people don't know that or they're not paying attention because they're so unhappy with the fact that he one, number one, or he wasn't their first choice, number two. So instead of looking at his accomplishments, all they see is 2024. I want this guy gone. 2020. I don't I don't even care about the next two years. I don't care. I, I'm I just want him gone. But they're not looking at his accomplishments. I mean the next to the ACA like within the last, I would say, 10, 12 years, the bipartisan infrastructure law is one of the biggest pieces of legislation, bipartisan legislation, to be signed into law in the United States. 
one of the biggest. The fact that he got that done, and also the fact that he was on the ACA too, he helped that get passed too. There is no recession, even though we keep hearing recession, recession, recession. There is no recession. And you keep hearing CEOs complain about a recession. Let me tell you something. I don't want to hear a fucking thing a CEO has to say about a recession. They could lower their motherfucking prices and they won't do it. You hear billionaires talking about a recession. Oh, so what are you going to do? Lose a billion dollars? You have a hundred billion dollars. You have a trillion dollars and you're so concerned about a recession. Why? It's not going to do anything to you. It's not going to hurt you. You could make things easier for the consumer by lowering your prices, but you won't do it. I don't give a fuck what you have to say. But they've been saying it for months. They've been saying it since last year. We're headed into a recession. We got to stave off the recession. We're looking at a recession. It ain't happened yet. But they're constantly trying to scare people. It's a scare tactic. But yeah, there's inflation. Because the government pumped a lot of money into the economy to help with the pandemic. That's what caused the inflation. It just is what it is. It's not anything negative. It's not anything somebody did. They were trying to bolster the economy. They gave Americans millions and billions of dollars. They gave states billions of dollars because we were dealing with a global crisis. So it's not like, you know, um, in 2007 and 2008, when the housing market crashed and that's what led to the recession that we could easily point to, okay, well, they did, they did this and that caused that to happen and that was stupid of them to give mortgages to people who couldn't afford them and blah, blah, blah. And, but that's not what happened here. They did something good and it caused something uh, bad to happen. And we're dealing with it. The fact that people don't understand why inflation occurred and they're blaming President Biden for it is ridiculous. That that right there tells me that you have no idea what you're talking about. Anytime someone blames Biden for the inflation, that right there, I'm going to exit the chat because you have no fucking clue. Did you not get your stimulus check and your second check and your third check? What did you do with that money? Did you save it? No, you spent it. There's all this extra money going into the economy. What do you think is going to happen? There's all this money. There's too much money. There's two, two, two people having access to too much money, to the ability to buy things, the ability to get loans at 3%, 2%, 0 percent. You know what's funny? Um, on TikTok, I've been uh, looking at these videos of, of homes that were built or renovated during the pandemic, during 2020 to, to about last year, I would say. And my God. People were buying houses without inspections. People were buying houses without inspections. 
or the new constructions. The work is so shoddy because people just had to have a house. They had to have a house really fast. And these houses are garbage. The foundation is garbage. The plumbing is garbage. The walls. I mean, some houses are fucking tilted. There's mold. I saw one house that was covered in mold. The entire inside of the house was molded. It was mold and I mean, I. uh, But people had to have it. People were moving. People were moving their asses all over the country during the pandemic. Selling their houses for hundreds of thousands of dollars and moving to new states. A lot of people starting to regret that. A lot of people bought houses that they hadn't looked at. A lot of people spent too much money. Now they're in a hole. They're underwater. So yeah, the inflation that you're seeing is because of that. Now I know you can blame Biden for a lot of things. Like that Afghanistan pullout was not the best. It was not the best. But it's over. It's done. You need to keep things in perspective. I'm not the biggest Joseph Biden fan. In fact, I voted for Elizabeth Warren. That's my girl. And I know how people feel about her, too. And I know a lot of people wanted Bernie Sanders to win. He cares about the environment, et cetera, et cetera. But you get who you get and you have to work with it. And this election year, we're faced with some real, uh, really tough uh, choices. As we saw with the court's decision to get rid of, essentially, the right to privacy in the Constitution Say it's not in the Constitution. I mean, it's not written in the Constitution, but it's guaranteed by the Constitution. And they said no. And so that overturned Roe v. Wade. And there are all these states suddenly that got rid of abortion access. One of my favorite shows I was watching the other day. I'm not even going to tell you what it is because it's like such trashy TV. But one of the characters, one of the, the people on the show... Uh, It's a reality-based show, so this actually happened to her. Um, She got pregnant. Her boyfriend got her pregnant, and she was um, happy about it. But when she talked to her doctor, her doctor said, well, you have poor liver function. So if you carry a fetus, you're probably going to die, and the fetus is going to die. And so she had to make a difficult decision to have a pregnancy termination. And she's in Georgia. The day after she decided to have the abortion is when Georgia banned abortions based on the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. So her and two of her friends, her friends drove her to North Carolina to have an abortion. She literally had to do this to save her life, but it doesn't matter why she did it. That's her business, right? To privacy. Hello. That's her business. But she had to drive all the way to North Carolina to get it. And that's what we're going to be wrestling with here. You're going to choose candidates who are going to either um, 
preserve access to abortion, guaranteeing a woman's right to choose, a woman's right to make her own reproductive choices, or you're going to be choosing candidates who say, no, we don't want women to choose. No, we want to choose. We want to be in your bedroom. We want to tell you what kind of birth control you can use. But that's what's on the ballot. No Biden isn't on the ballot. No abortion isn't on the ballot. But they are theoretically. But, you know, one thing that we see in these elections sometimes is that by the time people get to the polls, they've forgotten. <laughs> They're for, they have forgotten um, the good that a person did or the bad that a person did. They have forgotten uh, all of the things that got them fired up and angry throughout the year. And they end up voting for the same candidate who's been on the ballot 10 freaking times who needs to be out of office. But because we American voters have short term memory problems, we essentially forget the devastation that a person wreaked havoc in our city and state. We forget by the time the, the election and they they're hoping for that. They're, they're hoping for that. You forget that this is this senator said that they wouldn't vote for a woman's right to choose to have an abortion if she wanted to when they were in the Senate. You forget that that person said that. And so when you go to vote, you're voting for that person who denies a woman the right to choose. So not only do you have to be vigilant in what you're voting for. You have to be vigilant in who you're voting for. But that's one of the, the issues with voting. Sometimes people feel overwhelmed. They feel overwhelmed. But thanks to social media or not thanks to social media, because a lot of misinformation is spread through social media. Some of that has changed. Some of it has been streamlined for you. I mean, I I went on TikTok and even though I I live in Ohio, I was able to watch the Texas one of the debates between uh of the Texas governor's race between Beto O'Rourke and Greg Abbott. And I was able to see a Texas voters reactions. I was able to hear their opinion and I was able to 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 observe these candidates and it doesn't affect me directly, but some way indirectly I know that this governor's race is going to affect the direction of the country. If women have to go from the state that they're living in to another state to have an abortion, the governor can put an end to that. The governor can say yes or no. The governor sets the election laws through the secretary of state and through legislation. They set the drug laws They uh, traffic laws. I mean, all of these, these, it's important because you might find yourself in one of these states one day inadvertently or on purpose, or you may be relocating. So, yeah, it's important. Or maybe you have family who lives there or you have friends. I have a lot of friends who live in Texas who are fed the fuck up, especially, especially after the Uvalde shooting. They have had enough. They have had enough of the status quo and the same old lines being touted about, oh, they're trying to take our guns. They don't give a fuck. 
They know that children are dead and they want to put an end to what is causing that. You're not going to put an end to what is causing that if you're choosing the same candidate who was there when it happened, who immediately after did absolutely fucking nothing to ameliorate it. Nothing. Greg Abbott did nothing. And he was all too happy to deny a woman's right, a woman's access to abortion. All too happy, all too ready and waiting and willing. He doesn't care if your babies die. And he doesn't care if you don't want to have a baby. Doesn't give a fuck about you. Of course, of course, that's just my opinion. That's just my impression. I could be wrong or I could be right. I think I'm right. (laughs) But how does a democracy succeed if people aren't choosing the legislators, the legislation, the electors, the judiciary? If the people are not deciding where and how their tax dollars are spent? At the local level, at the local level, there are tax levy issues for the support of public education, roads, city government, county government, and these things depend on voters choosing a yes or no to proceed. There are school systems like the city of Cleveland that's next door to where I live for years could not get a tax levy passed. And so a lot of their schools went into disrepair and they weren't they weren't able to provide services to their students, for instance, in special education sometimes or transportation suffered. Where I live at, it's a very interesting dynamic. There are very wealthy people living in this city. And then there are people like me who are middle class, who don't have millions of dollars and don't live in a million dollar home, but I sure as hell am taxed like I do. There's a tax levy. I think there's been Three, I've lived here for 14, 15 years. Tax levy has been on the ballot and has passed three times. Tax levy for schools, three times. My property taxes, therefore, have gone up $1,200, at least, at least $1,200 since I moved, since I bought a house here 14 years ago which means my mortgage has gone up and up and up and up and up and up. It's never gone down. No, never gone, never gone down. No, it only goes up. But this year, something happened that's extraordinary. I couldn't believe it. The people, the overwhelming majority of people said, fuck, no, we don't want another tax levy so that you could do whatever the hell. They have this elaborate thing that they want to do to the school system. They want to get rid of this elementary school and combine schools and build bigger schools. And blah, blah, blah. it's always something they're just they're They spend so much fucking money in this city. On buildings and services to not be in the top 10 School systems in the state, they're not even in the top 100. They're in the top 200. Shaker Heights has one of the lowest 
rated school systems in the state of Ohio. For as much money as we are taxed and give to the city that they spend on students, for it to be as low ranking as it is, it is quite incredible. So this year, people said, oh, 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 no, 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 you're not getting, we're not putting this on the ballot. And and the school board, the school system decided to take the tax levy issue off the ballot. And I tell you what, it's, it's incredible. People who live here and have their kids in school here in the school system, in the public school system, as soon as their kids graduate out of the system, they sell their house and they move. It costs too much to live here for what we get in return. It costs too much. It costs too fucking much. Even the income taxes are high. The income taxes are ridiculous. It's something like the top, I don't even know, in the state. It's like top five in the state. For what you get in return, I don't know that I'm getting anything more than I would get if I were living just one street over <laughs> in the city of Cleveland. <laughs> I mean, I lived in Cleveland for a year. I had an apartment in Cleveland. And then I've, I've always lived in Shaker Heights since then. But it's incredible. But this is what I'm saying, why you, you have to pay attention, because the people who are passing these laws and these the laws themselves are on the ballot. These are issues that are on the ballot. When people complain about their property taxes being too high or their income taxes being too high, well, you know who sets that? The mayors, the city council, the school board. The state of Ohio tells school boards how much they have to spend on public school education. That comes from state legislators, the House, the Senate, the governor. Ohio income tax. That's a law. That's a state law. Who determines state laws? Even the county sales tax here, the county Cuyahoga County sales tax is, I believe, 8%. Ridiculously high. Again, for what you get. What do you get in return? I couldn't fucking tell you. Couldn't tell you. I honestly could not tell you. I cannot point to one thing that I get in return. If you go uh, downtown Cleveland, I mean, got a nice... Um, baseball stadium. There's a football stadium, really nice football stadium. They're always asking for money for, for the football stadium. They're always asking for money for the baseball stadium. You know, they're always asking for money for the, the sports arenas, the, the, what is it now? Rocket mortgage field house, whatever the fuck. They're always asking for money for that stuff. Because that stuff, you know, that may that draws the crowds to downtown and then they're spending money and that's good for I don't give a rat's ass. I do not care. As much money as these sports teams are making from us, for them to constantly be asking us for money is ridiculous. Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, these are billion-dollar industries, and they're always coming to the people with their hands out. So you want me to pay you to pay these people 
so that I could pay to watch them toss a ball, throw a ball, hit a ball. Man, bye. Whatever. But yeah, but now you, you, you see how we're connected to, to all of this? You see how I made those connections? That's what you have to do. You have to see yourself in what these candidates are doing. You have to see yourself in the job that they're asking you to give them. You have to see yourself in the legislation. You have to put yourself in the legislation. You have to say, well, if I vote for this, then it's going to be good for the um, the lakes and the rivers and the uh, wildlife, and it's going to be good for the roads and the the city services. You have to see your you have to see yourself using. And if you can't see yourself in it, you can't see a benefit that you and your family and your community, not just you, but your community derives from it, then don't vote for it. You get to choose. You are the chooser. This is your voice. Your vote is your voice. Your vote, your vote is your say-so. The only reason you feel powerless here, here is because you do not use your power. You have agency here. These people cannot get to where they want to be. These laws cannot get passed. These, these ordinances cannot make it without your say-so. And when you don't vote, you relinquish your power. The fate of our democracy rests in this coming election. Do we want to move ahead or do we want to stay in the past? I say let's move ahead. And you know what? Democracy dies in the dark when the citizens do not participate in its upkeep. Democracy dies in the dark when the citizens do not participate in its upkeep. What is the point of living in a society where you have the freedom to vote, speak, live, think, as you want if you do not ensure that it stays that way. And even if voters are not paying attention to or are disengaged, guess who isn't? Political donors. Donors are pouring millions of dollars into the midterm elections to ensure to ensure that they receive or keep control of the government through a political through a certain political party that favors them. Democrats have the highest donor at the federal level, but the Republicans have the highest, have the largest number of mega donors. But the amount of money spent does not equal a win. Still, it is very telling that one person would donate over $120 million or that one party receives over $220 million in donations. That corporations can buy election access and influence elections with money as much as they want. And you know who's responsible for that? The Supreme Court. And you know who chooses Supreme Court justices? The president. And you know who chooses the president? The people. And who chooses the senators that back the president? And choosing a particular candidate for a judgeship. The people. The people have the final word. The people always have the final word. Midterm elections hold as much influence in the future of your state and country as a presidential election. 
even more. There are several areas of decision-making that the midterm elections will influence, including abortion rights and restrictions, the 2024 presidential election, the focus of congressional oversight committees, and if the president will get any key legislation through the Senate or House. The pendulum, the political pendulum swings back and forth and back and forth. There are key races in several states, including, as I mentioned, in Ohio, Texas, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, New Jersey, Utah, Arizona. And I'm not here to tell you how to vote, but there are candidates who are a direct threat to the American democracy because they do not want to expand your freedom. They want to curtail it. They want to narrow it. This is a democracy. We don't narrow freedoms. We expand them. We give more power to the people. We empower the people. If you live in a state that has early voting and voting on election day is an issue for you, take advantage of the early voting. Make sure you're registered. I know the deadline in Ohio to register to vote has passed. So if you go to the polls, they'll let you do a provisional ballot. But you can call your local board of elections or in most states, check your status online via your secretary of state to check your status. I prefer voting in person on voting day because I like to get the sticker. When you vote by mail, they don't give you a sticker. (laughs) But my employer is very supportive of its employees voting. Very supportive. I get time off to go vote. We're encouraged to vote. We're not hassled. Not only that, I can leave work to go vote if I wanted to. I'm very lucky in that regard. And I believe that that is what more employers should be offering is people time off to go vote. And if they ask for some proof or something, I mean, you know, show them a, a selfie of you uh, in, in, you know, standing and, and filling in the little bubbles. But voters need support. They need help getting to the polls. They don't just need to get there. They need help, some of them, getting there. There are some underserved communities where poll locations have been closed. I know in the state of Georgia, I mean, the current governor made sure that more polling locations were shuttered because it didn't serve the interests of his party to have more people voting. There are some candidates in certain parties who strongly believe that the less people vote, that is the fewer voters that they have in an election, the better it is for them. So you will see those people trying to curtail early voting trying to get certain polling locations closed, passing laws of what you can do while you're standing in line to wait, like they made it illegal in the state of Georgia to give people a bottle of water while they're waiting in line. I remember during the presidential election, there were um, polling places that had lines that were hours long. It was ridiculous. They do this shit on purpose. They don't want you to vote. But it is your right Guaranteed, written into the Constitution. 
you're 18 years old and you're not restricted, otherwise you get to vote. And it's not a privilege. It is a right. It is an honor. It is important. It is an important civic duty, I believe, that is to vote. So you people get out there, get out there or, you know, stay home and fill out your ballot because you get to vote by mail. Voting by mail should have made voting so much easier for people. But I tell you, whatever excuse people would want to come up with, they'll they'll find to know to not vote. Oh, I don't like to get into politics. But then they want to complain about all of the things that politicians are doing. You have the power to shape legislation, the future of this country, the direction of this country, and you sitting out of this conversation does not make good economic sense, social sense, safety sense. It doesn't make sense for you to sit on the sidelines during a presidential election, during the midterm elections. It's very important for you to exercise your right to vote. Recently, we've seen the consequences of elections played out in real time with the restricting of access to certain rights, like the right to privacy. We've seen the consequences of elections. And now that we know what could happen, let's try to prevent the bad stuff, the wicked things from coming this way. That is the restricting of freedoms the curtailing of voting rights, the gerrymandering, the quashing of certain things that you enjoy. Let's see an expansion of our democracy. Let's see a rise of our democracy. Let's surprise ourselves by showing up to the polls and showing the politicians and the government that we're not just going to take whatever it is they have to throw at us. We're not just going to let them run, as they say, roughshod over us. We saw what happened during the pandemic. And the response from some of the governors, the response from Trump at the time, the response from a lot of politicians at the time was, oh, it's not a big deal. One million people died in this country, over a million people from COVID alone. We saw how it was treated as not a big deal to it being a very, very devastating happening. You want people to take your issues seriously. You want people to take your concerns seriously, your real concerns. Don't listen to the noise around you. Don't listen to the people telling you that your issue is not a big deal. It is a very big deal. You're living in your house. You're working in your job. You're living in your community. You're looking at the the roads. You're seeing your tax bill. You're seeing the schools that your kids go to. You're seeing your income tax go up. You're seeing city services being reduced. You're seeing the crime rate go up. You're seeing how wealthy people have it better than you just because they are wealthy. You're seeing how money buys elections. 
You're seeing how your right to privacy is being invaded. You're seeing children being murdered in schools. You're seeing hurricanes devastate regions of the United States. Wildfires, tornadoes devastate this country. You're seeing the rising cost of food and clothes and transportation and gasoline. If you're seeing all of this and you choose to sit out this election, then you essentially lose the right to complain about any of it. But you don't understand that you are important. Your voice is important. Your vote is your voice. You are powerful in that regard. And this has been Ayana Explains It All, brought to you by Facts, Figures, and Enlightenment. Take care.